This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. What was your favorite meal as a kid? Mom's spaghetti? Maybe another family recipe? Most of us simply enjoy good food, not thinking we would pursue cooking as a career. Very few think to pursue a career in the culinary arts and empower others to do the same. But that is just what Rochelle Trotter has done. Rochelle founded an award-winning culinary consulting company, and through it all, she's been able to provide scholarships to young people wanting to follow a a similar path. All February, we are turning the spotlight on Black Joy, where we find it, what it looks like, and celebrating Chicago stories. So we recently checked in with health coach Rochelle Trotter. She's the founder and CEO of Our Culinaire Consulting. And I started by asking her how her roots on the west side of Chicago led to her career in the culinary arts. I fell in love with cooking as a little girl, even though I was born and raised in Chicago. My family is from Mississippi. Okay. And so every summer, my mom would send us down to Mississippi, and we would just cook and eat off of the land. And little did I know at that point, the seeds for eating seasonally and farm to table and all of that were being instilled in me. And as a little girl, I loved to cook. My mom would pull a milk crate up to the kitchen counter because I was so tiny. And that's how I would be tall enough to help her pick the greens and shell the peas and everything. And so I've always had a passion for food because it was instilled in me as a child. However, both of my parents, being products of Mississippi, struggled with education. And so they pushed us to go the traditional education route. And then things just blew up when my mother passed away unexpectedly at the age of 40 Mm. um, as a result of high blood pressure. She had a stroke. And so our life just fell apart. But my parents never talked to us about a possible career in cooking. It was always go to school, go to college, and do something in a company, in a corporate environment. So when did you have that life? light bulb moment then for you? Actually, I had the light bulb moment when I was I was in a car accident. So I went to college, I went to undergrad and grad school, worked full time and went to school in the evening as a way to pay for my college because I'm first generation college graduate from my family. So right. I didn't have anybody to guide me. And I was going on a ski trip with girlfriends and we were in a horrible car accident on I-70 in Colorado. And the van flipped over the Pathfinder, and I was ejected. And I, as I lay on the side of the highway thinking, Lord, am I going to live? My dad's a minister. And I was praying, and I was, like, making a deal with God. I said, Lord, if you let me live, I promise I'm going to pursue what I love, which is something relative to food. And I don't know how that looks, mm. but I'm willing to find out. And at that point, I was in a really high-paying job um, working in Atlanta at Coca-Cola, uh, doing brand marketing. Mm-hmm. And you couldn't tell me that that was not going to be my trajectory for the rest of my life. And long and short of it is, Sasha, I lived and I believe when you make a deal with God, you have to keep it. And so I sold everything I own, had one suitcase, roll-on suitcase worth of clothes, and I moved to Paris, not knowing the language and not knowing a soul. But I knew that I had made a deal that I was going to stand by, and I didn't know what the other side of that looked like, but I was willing to take a chance on myself. goodness, Rochelle. I mean, so much tragedy there, heartache, but out of that comes... It sounds like some happiness, some joy. Yes, you're absolutely right. I was so scared. And a few times when I would come back home to visit my dad and my now stepmother, my father was, and I would say, I'm not going back to France. It's too hard. He would say, I don't know where you're going, but you're going to get out of here. You walked away from an amazing career in corporate America to pursue this thing called food. If you wanted to be a cook, this is what my father said, honestly. If you wanted to be a cook, why did you spend all of this money and go to college, undergrad and grad school? Why didn't you just graduate from high school and go get a job at yeah. McDonald's? And it broke my heart, but wow. it put an anger in me that said, okay, I'm leaving and I won't be back until I've succeeded. 
Now, my undergrad was in communications and journalism. My graduate degree is in international economics and finance with a minor in marketing. So I've always been in the numbers side of business Mm -hmm. in my corporate jobs. And so when I came back, I was like, okay, so I'm working for Yum Brands at the time, which owned Taco Bell, KFC, Pizza Hut. I know, don't laugh yet because you're like, then how did you end up with like this oat cuisine celebrity chef Charlie Trotter <laughs> oh, and no. you slinging fast food? I'm already amazed and I know I'm going to keep being yes, amazed. Keep yes. going. And so I, I realized shortly after coming back that most of these restaurants failed not because they didn't serve a wonderful product, but because the chefs just wanted to be the artists. They weren't necessarily interested in the business side of running a business. And I thought, there's my niche. I'm passionate about food. I now have the training. I went to the Ritz Escoffier in Paris. It was the hardest experience and the most humbling experience of my career life because I was the oldest. Now, I was in my late 20s. Yeah. But over in Europe, if you're going to be in the culinary world, they start you out when you're a child, oh, right? Yes. And so they nicknamed me Grandmama. If I cut myself, you know, then I was sent home. I didn't really know the language. At 20-something. At 20-something. And when you <laughs> when you are there, you're required to speak 100% the language. The classes weren't taught with a translator. So like when in Rome, or in my case, when in, in Paris, Paris, and I, I was determined to finish. Let's suffice it to say, I finished at the top of my class at the Ritz Escoffier, and then I came home. And I came home, and I said to my dad, just watch me. Just watch me. And yeah. so I ended up establishing our culinaire, Rochelle, with all things culinary, because I didn't want just like an off-the-shelf type of a business. I wanted to work with you if you wanted to develop a Jamaican concept, or I wanted to work with my friend Paul if he wanted to develop an Italian concept. So I was the business strategy I and concept that. developer for Lots of individuals who wanted to open a restaurant. And, and you, you said you went from, you're from Chicago, uh, Mississippi, Paris, right? What <laughs> universal lessons, Rochelle, would you, would you say about food that you've learned throughout all these different culinary scenes? Oh, my gosh. That is, that's a wonderful question. I'm kicking my legs under the table here. Food is love. Food is love, number one. And food is the greatest element, in my opinion, to break down cultural barriers. I don't care who you are, where you're from, how much money you make, what your socioeconomic condition is. We can all come around a table with that common element, and that is cuisine. And I have found that to be the most comforting to me when I was in a situation where I may have been the only person of color of any different ethnicity with people that are higher than me or lower than me or at my level, we could all come together and be decent at a base level with each other around food. Food. You're an entrepreneur today, a culinary consultant, uh, and much more under the umbrella of our culinary consulting, as I mentioned. How did the company come about? And tell us your mission. Yes. So my mission, again, was to go in and capitalize on a niche I saw whereby Chefs needed help to keep their restaurants afloat. And then also, I had the benefit of having worked in corporations before, so I would also get a chance to work with large corporations like the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas was one of my largest clients and help them build out their food and beverage portfolio because, see, I knew the chefs, and so I could tell them what the chefs would want. And at the same time, when the chefs would say, I want to deal with the Venetian or I want to deal with Kersner International, I knew what the corporations were willing to mm-hmm. offer. And so it was a beautiful sweet spot. And that's how our culinaire came to exist. However, when my husband passed away unexpectedly in 2013, 
my whole world shifted and it just short it, it sort of shut down honestly and i found that i needed to pivot and i needed to pursue what was really, really ultimately in my heart, mm-hmm. but I never honestly was brave enough to do it because I kept living my parents' dream vicariously through me, which was be successful in corporate America, break those boundaries, do what no one else in our family has done. And that was pursue something relative to serving, yes. serving my people. The Charles and Rochelle Trotter Culinary Endowment That was, was born. born. That was born. Now, when my husband was alive, he had a foundation called the Charlie Trotter Culinary Education Foundation. And that was probably one of the things we connected on the most was our philanthropic love for helping people, those who might need a hand up. And so when he passed away, I didn't want the legacy that he had begun of sending kids to college who would otherwise not have an opportunity to go to culinary college So I decided to create an endowment in his honor and continue what he and I were doing for so many of his last years on this earth, which is send young Chicago. You don't have to live in Chicago, but the state of Illinois in order to apply for my scholarship. Yeah. And you can apply to go to a trade accredited program, to a two-year culinary program, to a four-year culinary program. I don't dictate what school you go to. We have children here in Inglewood going to Washburn, some of my culinary scholars, or down on Michigan Avenue going to Kendall College, as well as out in New York going to the Culinary Institute of America. So I have given, in his honor to date, over 50 scholarships in his honor to continue to give children A leg up. That is wonderful. What did philanthropy uh, philanthropy mean to him? Philanthropy meant helping those that otherwise would not have a chance. That is basically the, the nuts and bolts of the way we talked about philanthropy. My husband was dyslexic, and not many people knew that because he was such a genius when it came to his culinary arts. And when I say dyslexic, I mean our house was filled with books and newspapers to the brim because he would challenge himself to do the thing that was the hardest for him a lot, and that case was reading. As such, he never had a very high GPA. And so what he and I would talk about is, I'm not interested, no disrespect to someone being a straight-A student from the the North Shore. But those children probably have guidance counselors in their high schools that are telling them about scholarships that they're qualified to apply for. I'm talking about going on the west side of Chicago. I'm talking about going in Inglewood. I'm talking about going in Pullman and talking to those high school students and, first of all, helping them understand that there is a way out. And if you have an interest in food, and then there is some person like me who's willing to give you a chance. We often talked about each one, reach one. Mm -hmm. That's all I say to my young scholars. I say, listen, you have an opportunity to get out of the hood, to to move out of your grandmother's backyard living in that car because you're running from abuse that's happening in the house. I mean, when I tell you some of the stories that my scholars tell me, it breaks my heart. But I say to them, all I require is when you finish, whatever it is you finish, can you just go back into the hood and 
help one person. Mm -hmm. And that help can take the form of just having a conversation and saying there is another way to live. I love that. You know, and and that's what gives me the greatest joy. And when they write me and they tell me that they've started a food truck or they're going on to study advanced management for, for hospitality development or whatever, my heart just breaks. My nickname is the Culinary God Mama. And in the neighborhoods, they call me Lil Mama because I go around to community centers and churches and I teach about healthy eating because I'm passionate about serving our our future, which yeah. is our children. And uh, I, I just feel I feel very blessed. So I know that was a long answer, but that's what philanthropy means to me and to my late husband. We can see your passion, Rochelle. That's all that means. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. For Black History Month, we're spending the month highlighting folks from the Chicago area whose passions and pursuits epitomize Black joy. And as we continue the series, it's starting to become apparent that that joy often extends beyond the personal. We're talking with Rochelle Trotter, who's founder and CEO of Our Culinary Consulting. She's also a philanthropist who helps young people pursue their dreams of culinary careers. So in the media during Black History Month, we often see and hear very overused, played out narratives, and they really focus a lot on the struggle that uh, black people have faced and, and that they continue to face mm-hmm. even today. So for our series, we we wanted to shift the narrative here. We wanted to focus on the positive and just uplifting stories. So above all else that you've described here, what else is bringing you joy right now? What brings me joy is it, it's it's two-tiered. First of all is to be blessed, Sasha, to be able to be a blessing to change the lives of our youth in Chicago and give them a leg up. I love serving them, and my greatest joy comes in knowing that I've done something that's sustainable. Not give a person a dollar and let them go buy something right now, but invest in them and let them create a life for themselves and their family. Second, and balanced with that, and we talked about pivots, so I'm pivoting a little more right now with more of a focus on the philanthropic arm of my business. And I am so passionate about changing the narrative that tends to continue to exist that black people don't have an interest in living a healthy lifestyle, whether it's the stereotype that black women won't go work out because they don't want to mess their hair up. Well, I'm sorry, I work out seven days a week, or that black people are just lazy and choose to give their children a a, a happy meal or something like that in the hood, not even talking about the socioeconomic impact of what our children and these underserved, under-resourced communities eat. Mm -hmm. So the second thing that I am so passionate about and I am so happy that I'm having a chance to impact is the state of health as it relates to black history. I want to be someone that when I am long gone, they say she played a role in changing black health history for Americans, not just in Chicago, but beyond. Because many people don't recognize that there is a racial life expectancy gap of nine years for a black person. Mm -hmm. We live nine years less than non-blacks. And over 70 percent, the diabetes-related deaths for black people are 70 percent higher than among non-blacks. And when we talk about the number one killers of our people, it's chronic diseases like heart and diabetes. And those are things that can be affected by what we put in our body. And so I'm working on a new platform called Living Well with Rochelle, where I focus on one ingredient. Because if I can get you to focus on one thing, Mm. I think I have a better option for you to make that change than focusing on a lot. Well, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Rochelle, because I've got a question for you. And and, and selfishly, this this is personal because I have to admit, you know, I'm, I'm hosting this show right in the middle of the day, right? Yes. 
And by the time I get off the air, a lot of the times I move on to other work Mm -hmm. and I forget to eat lunch. Okay. So I wonder if you have tips for me, because I feel like making sure that we eat a delicious, healthy meal, as you just talked about, it's a form of self-care. Absolutely. A lot of us forget to practice sometimes. Yes, it's so true. And it's called the reality of life. And so one of the biggest tips I can give you, I saw you before you came in the studio, you were working it in the hallway walking. Number one is exercise. (laughs) Always a busy bee. Always. People tell me I walk too fast. (laughs) No, I think that's fantastic. Keep walking. That's one of the best things that you can do to try and help continue to be healthy. The thing that I tell my clients in my one-on-one coaching and I'm working on group coaching is if you can dedicate one to two days a week to give yourself two hours to meal prep, meal prep something that is protein rich, okay? And if you have to choose between breakfast and lunch, Sasha, please choose breakfast. Have a protein rich breakfast and make sure you eat whatever vegetable component and protein component before you have your carbs. Okay. A mistake that most of us make is we will grab something quick that's carb rich because yes, it will give us that initial energy surge, but guess what? It's going to cause your blood sugar to spike and then in a few hours you're crashing and so You're hungry again, right? Well, if you eat protein and fat (laughs) and foods with fiber, that actually helps slow the absorption of that sugar into your blood. So therefore, you're not going to experience those severe, you know, blood spikes and energy spikes. And you'll have a more gradual distribution of your energy throughout the day. So for you, in terms of missing lunch, I would say then make sure you have a hearty breakfast. If you can on a Sunday, slice up celeries, carrots, apples, put some hummus or some almond butter or whatever in a container and have those to just grab and go with you. If you're a person that eats meat, then you can prepare like chicken in advance, slice that up, have a little green salad on the side and some sort of a dressing that's healthy that you make yourself. I'm really glad I asked. Yes. (laughs) Well, before I let you go, tell us what is next for you and our culinaire. What's next for me and our culinaire is I am really determined. You know, sometimes they say, our, we think too small, and I literally just received an award for Company of the Year on Wednesday. Oh, from congratulations. The Illinois, thank you, from the Illinois Restaurant Association. And it gave me that final kick I needed to move forward with developing programming that will be underwritten and dispersed throughout our Chicagoland area talking about the dangers of excess added sugar and how changing that one ingredient in the life of our little brown and black children can set them up for future success. And the other thing is the Scholarship Foundation is still going strong. If there's anyone listening that has someone who wants to apply for the scholarship, our deadline is May 8th, and all they have to do is go to IllinoisRestaurants.org Click the button for Education Foundation Scholarships, and under there you'll see where to apply. And one of those scholarship applications is the Charles and Rochelle Trotter Culinary Endowment. Wonderful. That is Rochelle Trotter, who's founder and CEO of Our Culinary Consulting and philanthropist with the Charles and Rochelle Trotter Culinary Endowment. She's been sharing what brings her joy. Thank you so much for joining us, Rochelle. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You brought me joy as well. (laughs) Happy day to you.